Welcome back, everybody. This is Rick Pettigrew. Stick around to hear the latest weekly batch of top news stories that appeared on Archaeologica. Send us feedback on the Archaeology Channel Facebook page or post a message on our social networking site, Archaeoseek. A Lakota shirt is back in the hands of its South Dakota family after a German museum agreed to repatriate it. Archaeologists working in southern Turkey have found a tomb dedicated to a famous Greek astronomer-poet. New research on Easter Island concludes that the long-assumed population crash there never really happened. And a recently excavated ancient ritual site in Cyprus appears to be a unique open-air feasting place. The Audio News team would like to thank our friends for helping us continue the show without a break since we started more than 20 years ago. If you're not already a supporting member, please go to archaeologychannel.org and click on the donate button. Especially now, we can use all the help we can get. We encourage our listeners to check out our answer to Netflix, which is Heritage Broadcasting Service, available at heritagetac.org and just launched at the beginning of 2021. We now have 140 fascinating titles for you to binge upon with your smart TVs on Roku. Again, that link is heritagetac.org. And now, here's Laura Pettigrew with the audio news from Archaeologica. We hope you find this to be a valuable part of your day. Welcome to the audio news from Archaeologica. I'm Laura Pettigrew, and these are the headlines in archaeological and historical news for the week of July 11th through the 17th, 2021. Our first story this week comes from North America, where the leather shirt of a well-known Lakota chief has been returned to his tribe by a German museum. After spending over a century in the collection of the Weltkulturenmuseum in Frankfurt, Germany, Chief Hollow Hornbear's dyed and beaded shirt was placed back in the hands of Dwayne Hollow Hornbear, his great-grandson. As reported by ArtNews.com, the Weltkulturenmuseum cited both moral and ethical reasons for the return. Chief Daniel Hollow Hornbear, or Matohe Oglokeka, was a well-respected leader among the Teton Lakota people in what is now the state of South Dakota. In the decades before his death, in 1913, he advocated for the rights of his people, after serving as a diplomat and negotiator with the United States government. The Weltkulturenmuseum came into possession of the shirt in 1908, through an exchange with the American Museum of Natural History in New York. For the most recent 30 years, the shirt had been on permanent loan to a display in the German Leather Museum in the nearby town of Offenbach. Dwayne Hollow Hornbear, the current chief of the Teton Lakota indigenous community, had visited the museum in 2019. He submitted a formal written request for the shirt's return, including a historic portrait photograph taken by John Alvin Anderson in 1900 that shows Chief Daniel Hollow Hornbear wearing the shirt. The shirt has patterns of brightly colored glass beads and human hair that are attributable to the Hollow Hornbear family and prove personal possession prior to 1906. In its statement, the Weltkulturenmuseum noted that the shirt is a culturally specific, identity-forming object of religious significance to the Teton Lakota indigenous community. In announcing the shirt's repatriation, the museum noted that the circumstances under which the shirt came into the possession of the original donor simply could not be adequately reconstructed. Provenance research is one of the great challenges facing museums in the 21st century, even as it can sometimes represent costly losses from their collections. 
Institutions worldwide are placing renewed emphasis on the repatriation of objects in their respective holdings and subjecting their archival collections to systematic review. For Chief Duane Hollow Hornbear and his relatives, the return of this shirt represents the return of a piece of their family history. Next, we go to Turkey, where archaeologists working in the ancient Greek city of Soli Pompeiopolis have found a tomb dedicated to a Greek poet named Eratus. As reported by the news site GreekReporter.com, the tomb is located in southern Turkey, in the province of Mersin, along the Aegean coast. Excavations are under the supervision of Professor Remzi Yak from Dokuz Elul University. The tomb was first discovered about three years ago. Two rows of hexagonal structures and arches around the central tomb have already been uncovered. After delays due to the pandemic, excavation at the ruins has now resumed. One of several cities founded or expanded under the Roman general Pompey when he governed Turkey, Pompeiopolis was in the province of Cilicia and originally called Soli, possibly to commemorate its founding by the Athenian statesman Solon. The city had been occupied since Neolithic times, but was eventually abandoned after a massive earthquake leveled it in AD 525. The monumental tomb to Eratus features a stone observation platform made from carefully cut and polished rock, from which one might view the constellations. Born in 315 BC, Eratus was a Stoic, and his work is strongly associated with the development of Greek astronomy. He was a didactic poet, meaning he wrote verses that instructed people on skills, science, or philosophy, while his verses on astronomical themes have been critiqued for their scientific accuracy, his poetry was very popular during the Hellenistic and Roman periods. The best-known work of Eratus is called Phenomena, and it describes the constellations in hexameter verse. Eratus is so well known for his poetry on astronomy, NASA named a crater on the moon in his honor. Eratus likely died in Macedonia in 245 BC. It is not yet known exactly when this tomb that might commemorate him was built, nor whether he is buried in it. Our third story takes us to Easter Island, where new research suggests that the demographic collapse said to be the cause of the island's fate never actually happened. The new research, which comes from a team from Binghamton University, State University of New York, and others, was recently published in the journal Nature Communications. As reported by ScienceDaily.com, Easter Island, or Rapa Nui in the native language, has long been a focus of research related to environmental collapse. Sometime after it was settled, between the 12th and 13th centuries, the once forested island was completely stripped of trees. Scholars have most often pointed to clearing for agriculture, along with the introduction of invasive species such as rats, as the causes. They argue that these environmental changes reduced the island's carrying capacity and led to a catastrophic demographic decline. Additionally, around the year 1500, a climactic shift in the Southern Oscillation Index led to a drier climate on Rapa Nui. However, environmental changes occur on different timescales and in different magnitudes, and how human communities respond to these changes varies substantially. Standard statistical methods don't work when it comes to linking radiocarbon data to environmental and climate changes, and the population shifts connected with them. 
The new research used approximate Bayesian computation to discover that the island experienced steady population growth from its initial settlement until European contact in 1722. This research shows the island never had more than a few thousand people prior to European contact, and that their population numbers were increasing rather than falling. No evidence suggests that the islanders used the now-vanished palm trees for food. The current research shows that deforestation was prolonged, but didn't result in catastrophic erosion. The trees were ultimately replaced by gardens mulched with stone, an adaptation which increased agricultural productivity. On an isolated island, sustainability would be crucial to survival, and a misstep in resource management could lead to catastrophic consequences such as starvation. Still more remains to be learned about the context in which the inhabitants of Rapa Nui were able to adapt and ultimately survive amid a changing climate and environment. We end this week on the island of Cyprus, where archaeologists working in the UNESCO-listed city of Nia Paphos discovered an ancient place of worship. As reported by the Polish news site polandin.com, a team of Polish and French archaeologists first banded together in 2017 to research the Fabrica Mound, an area of apparently sacred functions located on the perimeter of the city. Although only outlines of the temple walls survived, the archaeologists established that the edifice was rectangular, with a courtyard on a rock platform in front of it. The building did not resemble typical Greek temples, usually flanked by tall columns. A couple of meters away were the traces of a monumental carved stone altar. At the center of the offering ground was a round concavity with a drainage route for libations to run out. Because of its semicircular outline, researchers think it was a place used for public open-air banquets. Similar installations have turned up at the ancient Nabataean capital of Petra in southern Jordan, but nothing like this has been previously found on Cyprus. However, open-air feasting is evidenced by monuments found elsewhere on Cyprus, namely the Golgi site. Ritual celebrations in the name of gods involved wine drinking and sometimes feasting on the meat of offerings. Such activities were a widespread custom across many Mediterranean cultures. According to the archaeologists, this temple was in active use from the 2nd century BC until the middle of the 2nd century AD, when it was destroyed by an earthquake. According to the head of the excavation, Professor Yolanta Lunarzik from the University of Warsaw's Archaeology Department, the recent year's research season was particularly difficult due to pandemic restrictions. While it remains unclear precisely which deity or gods were worshipped here, suggestions are that it might have been the patron of the ancient city, Aphrodite of Paphos. Professor Malarczyk's mission is carried out under the National Center of Science's Harmonia 8 grant, in cooperation with the University of Avignon, France. The excavations at Neopaphos began over five decades ago under a pioneer of Polish Mediterranean archaeology, Professor Kazimierz Mikulowski. That wraps up the news for this week. For more stories and daily news updates, visit Archaeologica on the World Wide Web at archaeologica.org, where all the news is history. I'm Laura Pettigrew, and I'll see you next week. This has been the audio news from Archaeologica, presented by the Archaeology Channel. Be sure to check back with us next week for our next edition.
You can spread the word about the audio news by clicking on the Share This link on our audio news webpage, or just by telling your friends. Thanks very much for stopping by. Thank you.